Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. was in the, um, when I served in the military, you know, we have talked about this in the past, I was in the Navy, but I got assigned to a Marine Corps unit. And part of the blessing of being in a Marine Corps unit is the exercise. We call it PT, physical training. And when I showed up, I was not in shape. In fact, for most of my early career, at least, I was not an in-shape person. I relied on the talent that God had given me of brain power up to that point. I didn't work harder, I just thought harder. I thunk my way through things. How can I get this accomplished with the least amount of energy possible? Well, it's not like that in the Marine Corps. You show up in the Marine Corps and you put your work in. You run, and you run every day. Sometimes, back then, I was out you know, doing crazy things the night before. Sometimes you show up the next day, it's only been an hour or two since you came home. And you know that you're at 5.30, you're showing up, suited up, ready to run, no matter how you felt, you did it. Talk about the most miserable moments of my life, and I have had many. Being sick, having a headache, not feeling well in the stomach, you guys know what I'm talking about, and now people are expecting me to go run five miles at 5.30 in the morning, not fun. So I had to learn a way to get through the pain. And there's a couple ways that they would teach us or a couple things that they instilled in us in the Marine Corps. One is pain is good. Pain is good. You embrace the pain. Pain, weakness, leaving the body. Sometimes they would extend that to vomit is weakness, leaving the body. Because you were sure to have a little bit of that in your runs as well. Not only that, but to focus on the runner ahead of you to focus on the person there. Sometimes while we're running, you know, we're singing cadence. I can't tell you what the cadences are. They were unsanctified cadences, but they were basically songs sung to a beat in which you ran to distract your mind. And so you sort of fall into a trance of listening to the pitter-patter of the teeny tiny feet in front of you as you're running, focusing on the man in front. Never thinking about the race or how much longer we have to go just on the person in front of you. It was amazing when I found out what my body was capable of doing by doing that simple thing. But the run was still hard. There is no doubt. We're in a race right now, whether or not we realize it. And that race is exhausting. Life can be exhausting. Can it not? I mean, we hear about it all the time, burnout. I've been doing a lot of reading on burnout and ministry burnout, and it's not just pastors. It extends to all of us in a world that tells us to work harder, push through, keep going, never once looking to the runner ahead of you. You look at burnout mentally. 
Never in our lifetime. Never in our country. Have we needed things? I'm not denigrating this. But have we needed things like mental health days? We have placed such pressure on ourselves and put so much on our plate in order to keep what we have or get what we don't that we push harder and harder and harder until we don't have anything left to give. Physically, the, the, there's been studies that have shown the effects of stress in our life take years off of our lifetime. Years. What would you want with a another year of quality life, what would you do with it? Relationally, as we strike out at the people around us, as we're under pressure in crisis mode, the first thing to go are social graces. We just get it done. And so we turn relationships into resentments. And we turn the hope that we have in Christ into depression and disillusionment and despair. So, so what do we do? It's not, we're not exempt here in the church. Sometimes, and we'll talk about this, the church contributes to it. Do more. Push harder. The scripture tells us that keeping our eyes on Christ will give us the endurance we need to run the race of life with joy. With joy. Today we're in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. The writer here is just listed in chapter 11, what is often been called the Hall of Fame of Faith, or the Hall of Faith where he's listed Old Testament characters and talked a little bit about how they endured some of the biggest suffering that we can ever imagine through the power of their faith, of keeping their eyes fixed on God, his plan. How they maintained a singular focus and how they give us examples of what it means to run the race with endurance Faith. So let's look at the first verse here together. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run the race with endurance, the race set before us. So first we need to know that we need to focus our lives on the right race. The race that has been set before us. You see, God has set a race before you. God has eternally planned a race for you, your life. God in his omniscience, that means he knows everything. God in his goodness has planned for you and your life, the ministry that you would provide to those around you, the children that you would have, and the discipleship opportunities that you would be given to grow them. Your work, your talents, your competencies, where you live, every single thing you have has been eternally planned for you. The race has been eternally planned. God has woven everything together to bring you to this moment right here. Do you realize that? That you are not here by accident. You were not here because you decided to get up this morning or months or years ago, you decided one day to check out that GBC and see what it's all about. Certainly, you have a free will and a choice in the moment, but God has woven things behind the scenes. We talked a lot about this in the book of Ephesians in our last series. That you might be part of his plan. If you are a child of God, there is no doubt 
that he has a calling on your life from eternity past. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. We talked about this. And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God. Your salvation is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Focus right here, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We sometimes take that verse and we focus on the we. (laughs) We. I am God's workmanship. We say things like, I'm God's poem, because that's the word, poema. Terrible exegesis, but I'm God's masterpiece. There's another way of saying it. I'm God's specially equipped, perfect instrument for his. All that is true. But this verse talks about his plan for your life for the things that he has placed before you, for the goals that he has placed in your life, for the race that you are on right now, eternally prepared. What does that do for giving meaning to your life? What does that do for realizing that the relationships I'm in or the distractions of people coming, you know, in my office, people knock on my door all the time. It could be very easy when I'm right in the middle of something focusing. It could be very easy and sometimes, oh, what now? How many of you have done that? In the middle of an important meeting, or you're right in the, someone calls, oh, I don't want to talk to them. Those moments have been ordained. We don't know what God has in them. It's part of the race that you have been on. Not only is the race that you're on, the life that you are living in Christ been eternally prepared, so have you. So have you. The racer, the runner, you have been eternally prepared. The prophet Jeremiah understood this. He heard it from God himself, Jeremiah 1.5. He says, before I formed you in the womb, before God formed Jeremiah in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart and said, mine. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Though this applies to Jeremiah in this passage, the same truth applies to you now. You have been eternally prepared, set aside as God's elect to do exactly what he's called you to do in this moment. To run the race he has set before you. God has created you for this moment. Don't miss this moment in your life. I realize lately that I drive, I have music on. And I just start wandering out in my brain. I'm thinking about things, you know, I'm considering, but I'm not present. God has made me for this moment. I want to be in this moment. Don't you want to be in this moment? God has laid a race before you. He's calling you to something good and great. Sometimes hard and usually painful but he's calling you. Satan's desire, though, is for you to lose focus so you don't see this eternal calling, so you don't see how God has prepared you or the race that is set before you. But when we don't take these moments like today, when we don't take these moments frequently to refocus our vision, we end up spending our energy on the wrong race. You see, it's very possible, and I would argue that many of us, if not most of us, do this most of the time. We run the race we set before us. 
We know what God has. We, we have an idea that God wants us to be on this path, but oh, it's so enticing to be on this one. Proverbs 14, 12 so there's, says that there's a path that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. You see, when we are running the race of life, it seems like it's lush and green and great off to the left at this fork in the road. We know that Christ has gone right into the valley of the shadow of death. But given the choice, are we going to run what seems to be the straight and narrow path through the beautiful lush green, even though we know that Christ is bidding us to the more difficult, Darker path, the one that requires greater faith, of which it's impossible to please God without. We will change the timing of our race if we run the race that we have set before us. We'll dictate the starting shot. We'll be called by Christ. We will say, yes, Lord, I know you're calling. Yes, Lord, I believe you died for me. Yes, Lord, but I'm going to sit here until I feel like running. I'm going to sit here until it's time for me to... I talk to you guys who are like right at the end of your careers. When I retire, dot, 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 I'll get more involved in church. I'll start spending more time with the grandkids. I'll start taking better time and better care of myself. I'll start investing in my spiritual and mental health and reading more and do it. When I retire, tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us, any of us. We walk or dig our heels when Jesus wants us to run. Many of us are in first gear. We know we could do more. We know we could trust better. We know that God is calling us to something bigger. Yet out of fear or any myriad of issues, we hold back. Or on the other hand, we get ahead of God. Jesus is running a pace and we are so far ahead, we don't even know if we're on the right path. Had we been behind Christ, he would have turned right, we would have went with him. But instead, we're off running on our own. We get ahead of God. Or we dictate the route, very common. We get off the track by being distracted. Sometimes, instead of focusing on Christ before me, who's running the race, who has completed the path, I'm checking out the landscape. I'm thinking about all these things that will provide us joy. Let me rephrase that. All these things that will promise to escape us or to get us out of the suffering that we all feel is part and parcel of being a human being. Other saviors, other vistas. We seek a different route that promises better views and we tell ourselves will give us a bigger crown when we get to the end, yet Christ is not even in it. Christ has called us to a race, to a path. He's gone before us and we follow him. And undoubtedly, we choose a race that's set before us in terms of difficulty. We'll always run an easier race. We struggle to suffer for Jesus. God calls us to put down these things, yet it hurts, so we don't. Sometimes, though, we'll even run a harder race. One that Jesus never laid before. We make Christian life so hard sometimes, don't we? I think we do a lot more than we need to. I think we need an understanding, a better understanding of the church at large of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is enough, period. We add all sorts of things. 
Now, some of these things that we add are good things, but we attach them to Christ and say, Christ plus, hear me, it's going to be dangerous, Christ plus going to church. (laughs) I go every time the doors are open. That's great, but that's not the point. Jesus is all-sufficient. Christ. And so we make the life that he's called us to live, the race he's calling us to run, a lot harder. We heap on things and do more and more, feeling guilt about not doing enough. He's calling us to him. Not only can we run a race that we've set before us, though we can also run a race that others have set before us who are not God. Very common. We know that Christ is calling us on a path. Yet we allow others to say, this is the race you should really run. For instance, relationships. Sometimes when people are, have friends who are not believers, they're going to pull them off and go another path. They don't understand what that means. The people in our lives who are not believers cannot understand that there even is a path before them. How can they ever point us to the path that Christ is in. Sometimes we have boyfriends, girlfriends, significant others who are not quite in the faith. We'll justify it and say, well, they're close enough. They'll say they're on the path to get there. So instead of having faith that Christ has something better for us on his path, we'll have faith that this person who's no guarantee is going to one day turn it all around and become a believer. Then you get married. Next thing you know, you're decades down the road with a spouse who's far from God all because you wanted to run the race that that person set before you. It's a hard truth. It happens again and again. But like me, we'll say, it won't happen to me. I'm smarter. I know the right path. Employers set a path before us. Employers will dictate, well, you know, I'm going to go home and see my kid play baseball. Well, hold on here. None of us leave until 7, 7.30. If you leave early, you're a slacker, and it's going to show up on your performance eval. Meanwhile, we're chasing performance evals of a higher number and trying to pursue our career. And meanwhile, little Johnny's looking out in the stands wondering where daddy is, where mommy is. And at the end of the day, when I finally retire, we'll realize we wasted decades in the wrong race. Christ has not set that race before you. It's not an obvious Your employer is. Your desire to succeed is. Governments set before us races that God never set before us. We see it. Dictating, you should go this way, you should go that, you should do this, you should not do that. Governments are good, and they're instituted for the purpose of organizing us. Christ is the race we're on. Christ is the big show. That is where we focus our eyes. Society and culture, get in or fit, you know, you better get in, you're going to be excluded, you're going to be canceled. On the other side, you better not say anything that sounds the slightest bit woke. Don't say one word. So we get conformed. We conform ourselves to the narrow path of the dictates of the people around us running their race for our life, not the one that Christ has laid before us. Sometimes even churches and other believers show up on a Sunday. Oh, you're wearing that to church? Okay, good, okay, good. 
hey, I, didn't, I noticed you weren't here the last two weeks. And it's more than actual caring and love. Where you been? Mike Shank, we just went to Bolivia to visit him. He would frustrate me so much. I just told him this before we left. I said, dude, you would get me so irritated. You're like so equipped and able to do these things I want you to do and you won't do them. Hey, can you take this guy out for coffee? And talk? You know what? The Lord's not leading me in that path. Ugh, what am I going to argue, against God? <laughs> Fast forward five years. Oh, I get it. I get it. Not every good thing that comes is the thing that God is calling you to do. We're on the race that Christ has laid before us. You see, if we fail to recognize the eternal and cosmic spiritual proportions of this moment that you are in, the race that you are in now, you'll lose out on the joy of participating in God's plan of salvation, not only for you, but for those around you. But when we embrace God's plan and path for our life, there is success in the running. When we remember pain is good. Pain is just love the pain. It's true. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. His steps are established when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. When your number one focus in running is to look to Jesus and love the path because he laid it before you and to delight in him along the way despite the pain, you'll find success you'll find the very thing that you're looking for in all the wrong places. We all do this. Delight in the path of God and and you will find the joy you seek. In other words, don't go kicking and screaming. We need to consider why do we do that? What is preventing us from embracing this race? Now, there are many things that seek to thrust themselves between us and God's eternally prepared race for us. So we need to train and discipline ourselves by God's gracious power to run free from encumbrances. What I mean is, is that it's hard to put some of the things down. It's hard to be on the race that Christ is on because we have other things going on. Christ will empower you. God has promised to give you the power that you need to do his will. So not only do we focus on the runner ahead, but we focus our soul on the right training. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance. When we would get ready to run official times in the Marines, when we would get ready to run something that was going to be inspected by a higher up and we needed to show that we were most fit, most prepared, most in shape, what we would do in the run-up to those moments is we would, instead of putting on our PT shorts and our gym shoes, we'd put on our camis, our combat boots, and put a pack on our back, okay? And we would run the race as hard and fast as we could, the same race that we would be judged on later carrying our pack. Well, what did that do? First of all, it made us look really cool, okay? Made us look like hard chargers. That's, anyway. The other piece is that it prepared our bodies for weight that we would not feel later, we would not feel later. We see it. Uh, the, the way they sort of do it, swinging a bat in baseball. They put a donut on the bat. The more you swing, the more you practice. You take the donut off, you get up there, the bat feels so light. You get more bat speed out of it. But we're not running this race with packs. 
We need to create situations and practice disciplines in our life that remind us we can't run with a pack because we'll leave the pack on. We'll try to run this race carrying our sin and struggles and everything that seeks to hold us back instead of learning moment by moment to take it off. We're in a race. It's time to take off whatever is preventing you from running freely and swiftly. First, it says, cast aside every burden. Take your burdens off. You see, a weight is anything that slows us down after running for Christ. Running after Christ. Three that I I think are pretty common, certainly not all-encompassing, is first, worry. Think about worry. We spend time and energy, spiritual, psychological, emotional, sometimes physical, often physical, thinking about a contingency that may or may not happen and doing nothing to take steps to actually address the issue. Anything that occupies our mind in a manner that distracts us from trusting in the Lord, because what we're doing when we're worrying is we're saying, okay, I need to have a plan B. If this happens, I will do ABC. We make a huge algorithm like we're programmers or something in order to program our life out to every contingency. Wouldn't it just be easier to say, I don't know what's going to happen, but Christ loves me and he's good, so I'm just going to follow him. Control. It's another big one. We seek to control everything. We have an inordinate desire to manipulate our world to achieve our desired end. I know this is what needs to occur because I've already worried all about it. And I know that this is what I need to accomplish. Now I'm going to utilize every effort that I have to manipulate my circumstances and the people around me in order to achieve that end. Meanwhile, heaping upon ourselves the deepest responsibility to achieve that outcome, otherwise catastrophe will occur eliminating the fact that God is good, powerful, loving, gracious. i got to fend for myself, so I need to control my world. And third, unforgiveness. We hold resentments against people who have injured us, even sometimes ourselves, in the form of regret. And we demand revenge. We hold on to things that God wants us to let go of. And every day it pops in our brain, hey, they did that to you. And you're 100% free from guilt. It's all them. We see them living this life. We see them being what we think is blessed. And it just foments that in us, doesn't it? We can't get on the path that Christ has laid before us, the race he has set before us, because we're too busy hoping the other person who hurt us will get hurt the way we were. So we carry around resentment. It's been said, I've heard it a lot, holding a resentment, it's like drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. It's one of those cliche statements that are, is absolutely true. Matthew 10, 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Think about those words of Christ to you today. When you come to Christ, when you've come to Christ, did it feel like his burden was lighter than the burden you were carrying? 
Does it feel like you're still heavy laden? Does it feel like Jesus is gentle and lowly? If it doesn't, you're doing it wrong. Because you are holding on to something else to find justification except for Jesus alone. I trust Jesus, but I have to carry this burden. I trust Jesus, but I have to manage an outcome. Christ is saying, let it all go. Keep your eyes first and foremost, singularly focused on the runner ahead, on Christ. And when those moments come in that I need to pick this back up and I need to continue to have control, you confess, you put it down, and you keep running keep running. When I think about running the race with other believers, we're running the race to heaven, the whole line of the road should be littered with packs that have been left behind. What would our race, if GBC ran the race that it was set before us, what would the packages, what would the packs, and what would be littered on the side of the road? Addiction, anger, resentment, control, worry, Put your pack down. We take our burdens off. Not only that, we lay aside our sins. It says the sin which so easily besets or sin which entangles us. Slows our progress. Like running through molasses. Christ calls us to run free and swift. So we're running in two feet of water because of the sin that tangles us. You see, it slows us down two big reasons, really. The first is that when we're sinning against God, God is forced to take the blessing for good that he is wanting to put upon our life, the blessing for flourishing, the blessing for good and things that are in your life that are positive, and he diverts it to the blessing of discipline. He says, I can't give you these things because now I have to discipline you. Now I need to bring you back around to see that my way is the way. It's the only way. So meanwhile, we're supposed to be on the race. We're off to the side doing push-ups and jumping jacks in order to learn how to get back on the race and to run well. The other reason is that not only the objective guilt that we have, but the subjective guilt, the shame. God's called us to the race. We're on the race, yet all we can think about is how... We are a terrible person, and Satan is all too happy to jump on board that train. I can't believe you're even in this race, he says. You think you deserve to be on this path? And we'll believe him. It's like running into a headwind. Satan's key tool to surrender your joy And the means by which he will get you to abandon your calling is shame. The accuser is what he's called in the Old Testament. So how do we do this? I've used this phrase recently in the past. I want to bring it up again. It's called the gospel waltz. If you remember, many of us do a two-step dance. We repent and try to obey. Repent, obey, repent, obey. There's a a middle step we're missing. There's a third step. First, we repent. We acknowledge our sin. We agree that God is right and we are wrong. We change our mind about the path that we're on. Oh, I'm way off this path. 
I'm on a leg I should never have been on. I'm going to go back to the path. Go back to the path. Second, we look to Christ and we say, no, he is sufficient. Christ has forgiven me for this and he's put me on the path and I can run this path or this race without shame. I don't need to carry the weight of my sin. I can lay it aside because what Christ has done. And finally, the third step is we step out and we run. We run. We step out in faith-filled obedience, trusting that God's way is better than our way or any other way that the devil offers us. So we lay aside our weights, we cast aside the sin that so easily besets us, and we run the race with endurance. Now, the writer's not telling us, God is not telling us simply to strive harder. We're doing a lot of striving. And for all our work, it sure seems like we're confusing Efforts with results. We say, I try so hard, but that's not the, what is being accomplished? We take our eyes off ourselves. We look backward at those who have gone before us, like chapter 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith, and we keep our eyes forward to Christ who is running before us. We look to his testimony and to the testimony of others because there's power in them. Revelation 12 says, And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. That when we stand before the world and say, Christ is the one who I follow, Christ is the one for whom I choose to die, should it come to that, he gets glory. And you know what? The kingdom grows. Tertullian said, that the blood of the martyrs, those who have chosen to testify and to say Christ is the answer and the only Savior, the blood of the martyrs is seed for the church. Others watch them die, go willingly to the cross or to the stake. And the church grew because it's real. When we surround ourselves with people who are living testimonies to God's goodness, it fuels our own salvation. It fuels our own ability to run with endurance. So we look back at the example of others, but we look forward to the one toward which we run. Three, focus your eyes on the runner ahead of you. Two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That word looking, first word in verse 2, is called a participle of means. It's the way that we achieve what was said in verse 1. How do we lay aside these burdens? How do we lay aside our sin? We fix our eyes. We look to Jesus. We direct our eyes to Christ every time we're in our agony. When life gets so hard and so painful, you don't think you can go any further. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. In those moments where it feels, meh, life is meh, apathy. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. When it seems like there is nothing else to do, look to the runner who is ahead. Christ, no matter what he faced, despising the shame, though he hated it, he went, he ran. We look to Christ. Christ 
first is our forerunner, the word for pioneer, archegos. It might be, I don't know what it says in your, in, in, uh, your translation, but it has founder in the ESV. The word means founder, pioneer, one who went before, captain, something like that. Christ has found, has run the race before us. He has trekked the path through the wilderness of sin. And all we have to do is follow, look to Jesus. Not only that, it says he's the perfecter, the teleotes. He's the one who says, I found the path and it's the perfect path. Anything else that promises to be easier, not it. I found the path, follow me. He's already run the race. He's found the best route. We're not without guidance. We're not without resources. And even though he's run before, we're actually not alone. It's part of the blessing of the church. We're in this race together. Christ, though he stand in heaven at the right hand of God in the flesh even now, lives within us through the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to run this race with endurance, keeping our eyes as long as we're keeping our eyes focused on Christ, not only as our forerunner, but as our Savior, who for the joy set before him, Christ, while carrying the cross along the Via Dolorosa, way of suffering in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, there's spots, actually. It's like a, you know, you know, like the Stations of the Cross in Catholicism. It's a similar, like, citywide plan called the Via Dolorosa. And each of these locations near buildings, sometimes it's near a weird building. You know, it's like a falafel shop or something. They got this brick in a wall that says, tradition says, this is where Jesus whatever. And the rocks are worn deep where people go and touch it. Christ, on his way to the cross, carrying the cross, to Calvary, the way, the place of death, the place of the skull, for the joy set before him. What is that? Your deliverance. Your salvation. Christ saw you from eternity past and he walked that road. So we too must keep our eyes on Calvary. As we carry our own cross, keep our eyes on Christ as our Savior, the one who died for us. Otherwise, we end up trying to save ourselves again and again, wasting time, heaping more packs on our back. So how do we keep our eyes on Christ? We avail ourselves of every opportunity to think, to meditate, to live like Jesus. Some of the ones that I just thought about here is we we consider his model of behavior in the word. The gospels are amazing for this. We do not spend enough time in the gospels. This is a picture of our savior, of the one who modeled the perfect life for us. It's laid out before us four times, all from different perspectives. We look to the Gospels. We consider what would Jesus do? Again, trite, but true. We cultivate a Christ consciousness through the spiritual disciplines. What do I mean? Things like prayer, silence, solitude, meditation, community. We place ourselves in a position and create an environment in our heart in which Christ can come in and change us. 
We surround ourselves with those who have their eyes on Christ. It's impossible to not be a good Christian when you're surrounded by other good Christians. Because if they're good Christians, they'll say, let's go, come on. You can do it. You got this. Let's do this together. We intentionally watch for what Christ is doing around us in the world today. Take an active role in it. Jesus, where are you right now? In the morning when you wake up, Lord, you got something for me. Who is it that you want me to speak to? This is something that I was thinking about too, not only in my own life, but for the life of Grace Bible Church, about making much of the ordinance of communion. About seeing Christ in the element before we take it. About really focusing our mind on what it is that we're celebrating and remembering in that moment. And finally, fourth point. Focus your mind on the joy of the finish. For the joy set before him endured the cross because Jesus had an amazing why. He knew what was going to be accomplished. He was able to endure the agony. Our why is Christ, the hope of glory, our eternal life. Our finish line is the day that we cross from this world into the next and stand before our Savior who says, well done, good and faithful servant. When all of the pains and troubles and unknowns of this world are taken away, when we stand at that eschatological finish line and, and we look at our eternal rewards that Christ says, because you've been faithful in little, you, I will give you faithfulness in much. You will have this many kingdoms. That's what the Word says. The Word says that what we do here has implications for what we will do then. The beatific vision, standing before God in all of his glory, seeing Christ on his throne exalted. Don't you want to see that? And don't you want to stand there before him? in that glory and awe and knowing that he did it through your faith because you followed the one who ran before you. The hope of the uncloudy day. There's a beautiful song, an old-timey song, Uncloudy Day, one of my favorite songs. Willie Nelson does a great version of it. That day where there's not a cloud in the sky. This is to what Christ is calling us and has promised us and has proven through his resurrection. So what are your joys? What are the joys set before you? The glory of God, the one we reflect now, reflected in perfection, the gratitude to Christ for what he has done for you. Maybe the joy you have is your love for others. You want to live and run this race because of what it means for those around you. Or that heavenly reward of well done. Focus your life on the right race. Get in the right race. Focus your soul on the right training, taking off anything, learning to leave your pack by the wayside. Focus your eyes on the runner ahead of you, the perfecter and pioneer, the one who has struck a path, the perfect path. And focus your mind on the joy of the finish, where you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we <laughs> life 
is hard. Life is impossible. Certainly we live it. That's the easy part. Enduring it is the hard part, Lord. And you know this. And you knew that we could not do it on our own. You knew that we'd already made a mess of things. And because of that, you sent your son. And your son willingly came and said, I'll go, I'll do it. For the joy that was set before him. For the ones that he would bring into glory. For the church that he would call. For the kingdom he would create. He endured the cross, the agony of the pain, the apathy of those who didn't care. And he went before us. Father, give us the grace to have our eyes, to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Teach us, Lord, in our heart in those secret places what needs to go, how we can get back on track. Lord, we ask that you work with each one of us. We know there's no simple answer. So we pray, Lord, as we leave here today, that you would fix our eyes upon Christ, that you would give us the grace to set aside the things that hinder us and to trust in the final day and we will cross the finish line. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.